0: Fantastic Noise.
1: Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. A podcast about making radio from the University of Bedfordshire.
0: Hello, I'm Terry Lee. Thanks for listening to Fantastic Noise. It's great that you've given us your time and your ears. Imaging Station sound. When I first started making radio, I didn't have a clue what these terms meant. Eye dents. Sweepers. Trails. Donuts. Wet and dry jingles. If you're following me, you'll probably be interested in this final episode of the first series of Fantastic Noise. If I'm talking absolute gibberish, you'll find out some more by listening to this final episode of the first series of Fantastic Noise. Either way... We're talking about station sound, the imaging, which in layman's terms is the stuff you hear on your favourite radio station that isn't the music or adverts or people talking. Uh, Joining me in the studio is James, a media production student who is just about to start his final year at the University of Bedfordshire. He's also going to be a student manager of our radio station radio lab. So James, have you dabbled much in the making of station imaging and are you planning on making any this year?
2: I've I've produced PSAs, I've produced trails and items for a radio show in the past. Imaging is something I will look into.
0: When you first joined the university, was it something that was on your mind?
2: Yeah. Really? It was.
0: What, what is it that appeals about imaging rather than, say, the average radio student here that just wants to get on the radio themselves?
2: I think it's the process of picking sounds. You've got, like, the freedom of the globe... With sounds, you know, you can be creative, you can be imaginative, you know, I listen to a lot of imaging on the radio, I think KISS 100 is the best for any commercial station, you know, the electro and the rhythm and I love all that.
0: Coming up in today's episode, we're going to hear from Dan Pryor, the station sound producer for Absolute Radio, who is also a University of Bedfordshire graduate. We'll also hear from Deborah Bishop, who previously oversaw station sound at BBC Radio Norfolk and Suffolk. Later, as always, we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the Radio Word of the Week and making our weekly visit to Dr Laurie Hallett's radio surgery. But first... I hark on endlessly to my students about the importance of listening. Listening to radio, podcasts, being inspired. Ultimately, every radio programme has an audience, and it's been fascinating hearing from so many voices sharing their listening experiences. So for the last time in this series, let's find out what you've been listening to recently.
1: What are you listening to?
0: Hello, my name's Alex. I'm 37, live in Norfolk. I like to listen to all sorts of things, really. So I'm quite enjoying the TED Talks um, podcasts at the moment. Uh, quite informative, and I can pretend I'm really expanding my mind. When I just want to go mad in the car, uh, listening to music, by mad I mean just gently tapping my fingers on the steering wheel, uh, I tend to listen to my local radio station, Future Radio. Hi, my name is Christina Okafor, I'm 21 years old and I study at the University of Bedfordshire doing journalism um, I listen to BBC One radio um, every morning and this is because I enjoy the different varieties of things which it brings, so the music it could be from classical to recent updates and, you know, the news, I like to hear and there, you know, about every political side of today. And that's it.
3: Hi, I'm Raphael. I study journalism and PR at the University of Bedfordshire and I'm 19. Right now I'm listening to Travis Scott's new record with Playboy Cardio on SoundCloud.
0: Please do contact us and tell us about something you've been enjoying listening to. I'd love to include your voice in a future series. FantasticNoise at beds.ac.uk is the email address. James, there we heard from three different listeners. Alex, who likes TED Talk podcasts. Fastina, who likes BBC Radio 1. And Raphael, who listens to SoundCloud. What are you enjoying listening to at the moment?
2: Well, I have quite a varied taste in radio. I like LBC. They have some good... Imaging. I like Nick Abbott. I don't know if you've listened to him, Mm. but he has these um, clip sound bites to um, go with his dialogue. Like, for example, you know, he talks a lot about Donald Trump, and there's a lot of old film clips of someone making disparaging remarks about someone uh, and um so it's,
0: it's quite fun his use yeah. of, of those bits of audio and, and and do you like talk radio generally
2: when there's big issues going on you know in the country in the world that interests me i do tend to tune in to lbc and talk radio to get other opinions on it and to get a better perspective
0: yeah and 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 hearing you know even if you don't necessarily agree with those opinions sometimes it's just good to you feel like you're learning some other perspectives and it can help balance however you feel about an issue and is there any other any other radio you like listening to, James?
2: I used to listen to KISS FM. It was the first radio station I listened to. Mm. And I like the fun, vibrant, upbeat sound it had. It was like, it, it was screaming at my sort of age range, my generation. Yeah. Yeah, I think most commercial stations should follow that example.
0: I always share at least one thing that I'm listening to as well. And this time I'm going to bring up a a very well-known podcast series, Serial, which has just started publishing episodes of Series 3. Serial is a podcast from the creators of This American Life and hosted by Sarah Koenig. Serial is multi-award winning and, and much imitated. I would strongly suggest to anyone to listen to Series 1. It's just great storytelling. Uh, Series 3 is focusing on stories and themes from an American courthouse in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Episode 1 tells a fascinating story of a bar fight and how the justice system dealt with a young lady involved. You find yourself asking, what is fair? Where's the system failed? Has it failed? I mean, it's brilliantly produced as well. Have you ever listened to Serial, James?
2: No, I'm afraid not. But that is something that I will look into. It sounds interesting. Have
0: you, I mean, it's what what's interesting to me is is it even is it even on your radar? Because as a someone who follows podcasts, for me, i I, I hear a lot about series. It's like the podcast series which seem to get a whole generation of people into podcasts but then there's also loads of people that don't listen to any podcast and therefore serial is completely like a random word that doesn't mean anything to them.
2: Yes unfortunately <laughs> I may have to brush up on my knowledge.
0: Yeah no no it's it's, it's absolutely fine it sounds like you're listening to, to lots of radio and, and the podcast scene which ultimately has got nowhere near the audience of, of radio but serial if you are going to download a podcast app onto your phone James I suggest it's a good place to uh, good place to start. Back to the focus of this episode which is imaging Dan Pryor is the station sound producer at Absolute Radio he's also a University of Bedfordshire graduate. His CV looks impressive with employment at a number of top radio stations across the UK recently his work was nominated for best station sound in the UK audio and radio industry awards or ARIA's I caught up with Dan earlier this summer in his offices at Bauer Media, where Absolute is based. Before we hear from him, first we'll listen to a clip from some of his work at BBC Radio 1. Uh,
1: The
0: great
3: thing about station sound producing is... That in the right circumstances at the right station, you get to be as creative as you want to be. You can create audio worlds, you can write scripts, you can use sound effects to produce different times, places, eras. You get to mix music, you get to write and record presenters and guests, people that you might have grown up listening to. I've written stuff that Pete Tong, Terry Wogan, uh, Dave Pierce has said, you know, people that I grew up with, Zane Lowe. And it's always kind of exciting when there's someone new that you haven't worked with before, that maybe you admired in radio, that you write something, and then they record it, and you get it back, or you record it live with them, and you're like the puppeteer putting words into someone's mouth. Uh, The job in station sound really is to make the station sound as good as possible, and to connect as a brand with your audience. D
1: A B Internet radio tablets mobiles and it's all.
0: Leading to this. Is it an ice pop or an ice pole? How many slices is a round of toast? Starting Monday from four. It's home time with Bush
1: and Richie. With Tesco Mobile, every little helps. Dan,
0: tell us a little bit about, I guess, how you would define station sound and and why you think it's
3: important. Uh, It's quite a tricky area to explain. It's uh, essentially, if you're listening to the radio and you're not hearing... A presenter you're not hearing music and you're not hearing an advert it's the kind of other part of the station that's there so it's the audio branding so it's the equivalent of when you turn on a show and it's HBO and it does that kind of static and makes that ah, noise that R ah, noise is a sonic logo which is kind of in absolute world the thing that goes nah, 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 nah. and the station sound is based around the in, uh, absolute it's based around the comedy ids it's based around music mixed sweepers on the summoner network station and the trails promoting different shows or uh, events that are coming up stuff that's happening online so it's essentially the audio equivalent of the logo and it promotes the station and kind of gives you a feel for what kind of station you're listening to
0: in, in terms of your job i know that you you do some sound editing you're mixing things together but are you also overseeing any of the scripting are, are you promoting uh programs on the radio station as part of it can you tell us a little bit more about the
3: sorts of things you have to to create uh so the most basic it's ids so that's just literally like if you're at radio one it'd be like whoosh bang wallop radio one uh then there's the, uh, show show stuff so that's a bit different again if you're at a station like one or one extra six music when I was there that was more different for different kinds of music, so they'd have a rock show, they'd have dance shows, so we'd be branding that, and they're obviously branded in different ways because they're different kinds of station, different kinds of pace and tempo, different kinds of audiences. Uh, Absolute, the IDs tend to be more just around the um, use of our voiceover, Matt Berry, and him saying vaguely amusing things or sarcastic things and trying to get a feel for the football, humour, and music aspect of the station. In a day-to-day sense, it's more making IDs and making trails so personally i quite enjoy making the trails i do get to write the stuff um it varies at station to station but there's two different types of things you could be making something that's sponsored and something that isn't so if there's a client involved so it's sponsored by sky then it sometimes needs going back and forth between you and a sales team uh, not you directly but there'll be someone in between you and the client uh, so you're not necessarily writing exactly how you want you'd have to pitch it more but with absolute uh, in terms of stuff that isn't sponsored they're quite a good station for letting you be as creative as you want and try and create uh, interesting ideas and ways to promote shows or events um, so for example one of the most recent things i was tasked with was the promotion of dave barry's breakfast show the launch of that and then i went down a road of Uh, Kind of the opposite as opposed to bigging him up and how great it is to having um, a trail where all the presenters essentially turned it down until it got to him and then we'd even asked, you know, someone on the door, someone in the street and then it got to Dave and then Dave was like, oh great, yeah, I'd love it but... Uh, the essential thing was... And then it ended with, uh, you know, our number one choice for breakfast, whereas obviously it wasn't necessarily so. That was funnier on air than it is to read out as a boring script. The
1: Absolute Radio Breakfast Show with Sarah Champion. Whoa, 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 what? No
2: chance. I'm so not a morning person. With Andy
0: Bush.
3: 4.30, wake up. No thanks. That's an example of, yeah, you do get to write. I really like the writing. It can be some of the harder part of it, but I think sometimes... Some guys are really into the, the whoosh, bang, wallop aspect or the EQ settings on VOs and stuff like that, which can be fun, but I think that sometimes you can hide behind that and not have a creative idea. And a lot of stations don't necessarily get to be creative, but Absolute, they encourage that. Stuart, on reception? No, thank you. This bloke passing the building? No. Uh, Dave Berry? Wow, what an honour to
0: be asked. I, I can't believe it. Matt, did you hear that? We've got the breakfast show.
3: Yes! Wee! <laughs> one of the other things sorry is just uh, like music mixes that's quite a basic thing but something to just demonstrate what kind of music the station plays so some people mix it so that it's beat matched or you know the keys are the same or both the music keys uh, and other places just kind of wallop it in and you know chop and change quite abruptly so I prefer to be the former but uh, there are places where obviously time's an issue or that you're the only guy in production and then sometimes you just got to knock out what needs knocking out or maybe a music team person says it's this song that song and this song and you know what you're going to do you've got to make it how make it it's it's quite an interesting job and and and
0: one that in the radio industry when people outside the industry aren't necessarily thinking about your job it's not as obvious as as, i know reading the news or or being the breakfast presenter or, or traffic and travel news so
3: how did you end up choosing to do this and and how did you realize you were good at this well, the, the accent kind of binned off the, the news reading aspect of my potential career, uh, as fun as that would have been. I remember at uni uh, having to do a news reading thing and, and I had to just highlight everything that had like a T or anything that I was not going to pronounce properly with the Essex accent, sadly. So that was quite, it was ended up just being a glowing sheet of paper, there was that much... Uh, that I had to do for myself I got into production as a sort of side thing really I wanted to be a producer I thought it would be fun to produce shows Uh, you know I still do find that fun on the occasions I get to do it Uh, you know when the mic lights up and stuff that can be quite fun but I became aware of Station Sound through uh, someone else I worked with at university, who was a third year when I was a first year, called Matt Fisher, who I'm sure some people who know their alumni will be aware of. He's at Radio One now and been there over a decade. Uh, I was lucky enough that he was there and a couple other guys who not necessarily went into this career were into production and they and Station Sound they kind of taught me some of the basic editing stuff on uh, what was Adobe Audition, which is called was called Cool Edit. Yeah, it basically, I think if you want to get into being a producer, you know, or or some sort of aspect of radio, sometimes it's a, or anything really, it's kind of tricky to just pigeonhole yourself and say, I just want to be a presenter or I just want to be a a newsreader or what have you. Um, I mean, fair play if you're that driven and you just go for that direct route, but I felt that the more strings I had to my bow, the better. So um, I got into the station sound side of things, you know, the desk driving kind of stuff, the production and producing shows, writing things—it's kind of some of the less glamorous stuff. On, on sometimes, but uh, I just wanted to get into radio in any way whatsoever, not necessarily like a you know on reception, but you know within something where I was bringing something to air. So that's kind of what I got into a bit, and then when I went and did work experience at BBC Three Counties in my last year at uni. That was a really good work experience uh, environment, and they gave me some quite basic stuff. So what we call donuts, where the start of the trail is, you know, the date, you know, the blah blah show on blah blah radio, and then it ends pretty much with the same thing 30 seconds later, but telling you what time to listen. And in the middle is the jam and the donut, which is just a bunch of clips, and it's quite a common way of doing a trail and so you know I'd get just asked to do the best clips from from the show of of three counties I think it was Roberto Peroni on breakfast so that was kind of a basic and when that first went on air I made one and they were like yeah that's fine and popped it on and I was like oh holy crap like they haven't even you know edited it and then when I had that that was kind of I think sometimes that's kind of your first one that you hear on air that's kind of as good as as it gets you know there's other times obviously that are great when you make stuff that you're happy with or a big station like Radio 2 and you think like wow that's you know 12 million people going to hear that or something yeah that was that was a good so that kind of piqued my interest basically I started doing more and more freelance for um, three counties after that week that week went really well so I volunteered quite a lot desk driving pre recs, and then someone was off for a fortnight whilst I was writing my dissertation I remember now the guy in Station Sound was off it was during my dissertation period the last month for uni and they said they had two paid weeks Uh, so I mean that was good money and well good money for when you're at uni and you know great opportunity to just to take control of that, that situation and so that's what I did I, I took that on it was a bit of a hellish experience because I was trying to knock out the dissertation and obviously that was the most important thing but then you wanted to make a good a good impression down at BBC Three County. so that that was that there really and I think from there it became more the thing they got me in for as opposed to tech hopping or sitting in on breakfast and um, like I say I enjoyed hearing the stuff on air and, and, and it went from there really and in terms of finding out whether i was any good at it i mean that from the start was pretty good because they did lumped it on straight away i also did station sound for my final year at Luton fm that was our um you know we all got given a different part of what we wanted to do in management and i did the station sound for the last year at Luton fm Although well, i'd hate to hear any of it now because it's uh, probably diabolical but in terms of being good at it uh i think there's a mixture of things that come into it it's what editing equipment you've got It's having an ear for it a bit, but I think there's a a book, uh, Outliers, The Story of Success, and that kind of gives you the idea that if you did anything for 10,000 hours that you'd become an expert on it. And that talent or necessarily being good at something is a little bit of a myth. And I think if you sat pretty much anyone down... I think it would be quite egotistical to say that if you gave anyone else the same amount of time and opportunities to do what I do, that they might not be able to do it. I think there are areas like uh, your music knowledge. If you've got like a eclectic music knowledge and you grew up maybe listening to lots of different music, which I did, that helps, especially at certain stations. You know, in terms of humorous stuff, I guess that sometimes depends what you, you find funny and what you've listened to and what kind of shows influence what you do. So there's... A bit of that there, but I think you could make a competent station sound producer if uh, most people, as long as they were able to absorb and learn and, and have the opportunities that I've had, I guess.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you've given me a lot there, uh, in, in the sense of you, you've said you wanted to get into to radio in any way, shape or form, and, and at university you, you made connections with other students and it got you into to this uh, station sound. You got some, some positive experiences with the BBC there and got her to, to really practice it as a skill. I appreciate what you're saying about spending a lot of time and, and that makes you good, but I think you're underselling yourself because clearly there are lots of people who have spent a lot of time at this, Dan, and they haven't got quite the CV you have because you've, you've worked for countless radio and audio organisations. You've produced material for, for, for Global Radio, the BBC, even in-flight audio options for for BA and and Virgin. So what's the secret behind being employable in in the industry? Because it must be more than just talent. There must be something about
3: you that makes people want to give you work. Well, I mean, I'd say it's a mixed thing because on paper that is, yeah, you've worked at all these different stations and so you must be quite employable. But on the flip of that coin there are vastly like five times more interviews that i've gone for and not got probably than that i have got i went for a couple of times of jobs at heart uh, and uh, where else i mean absolute this was the third time i went for a job at Absolute before i got it i went for a job at kiss once and didn't get it so there's numerous places uh, there was a, a film audio editing place that i freelanced at and didn't get a job there so there's numerous occasions where I've gone for interviews and and not got the job. Obviously then there's places like One On One Extra uh, that I did get a job uh, and here and and Classic and what have you. I think there's numerous things. I guess uh, the first most important thing is to be available because no one's gonna wanna get uh, someone in on freelance if they're unavailable, you know, and that can be tricky. You know, you have to sacrifice certain certain things and, and that can be tough to be available as and when you're needed and sometimes get let down at the last minute at certain organisations that are less professional might drop you but that is pretty important I think the other thing is to you know you've got to go in and not moan about what you're doing or anything I mean that's quite obvious but not be annoyingly keen or know it all either you just kind of uh, it's a tough balance to have. We've had people in at places, I, I can crystal clear remember someone about 10 years ago who did my nutting because everything you said, they'd go, oh, yeah, I know what you mean, I did this, that and the other and you wanted to wring their neck because they absolutely didn't and it was kind of really irritating. But then on the other hand, having someone who's grumpy or just looking at the floor and a lot of places will get you in at work experience or, uh, or what have you and just be like, can you make the coffee? Can you do the mail? And, and if you just keep your head down, then maybe that's what you're going to get stuck doing and you're going to come out of that with nothing really, and not be memorable to the organisation either, it can be tough. I would just basically say, I mean, try and be personable. Don't be an you know, don't be an ass. It's you know sometimes as simple as that. I think uh, some of the places, it's who you know, and and you can only get to that. and And for a long time, I found that kind of annoying because. I didn't know a lot of people and I found that a bit of a barrier and you'd find out about other people getting work and you'd be like oh well they just got that job because they had no sign so oh, you know this guy got brought down from Manchester to work in London or someone got flown over and they used to work in a station in Australia but the boss of this station now is Australian and you know you're coming up with these Tim Hat theories and what have you but the thing is that the longer you're in the industry the more people you know a lot of the stations that I've been at are, are, you know people got horrifically laid off and stuff and so that's horrible and and, you know obviously myself as well two stations I got made redundant at X when they got rid of the network and got taken over by Global they they used to have XFM Scotland and they used to have XFM Wales uh, and they got rid of those and didn't need all those people in station sound and then Global came in and, and reduced the capacity of that station anyway so a lot of people had lost their job Uh, and the same thing uh, enemy Radio that ran out of money after two years and went bust. So all of those people, including me, all ended up somewhere else and a lot of them obviously stayed in the radio or media industries and then there you go, there's your network. Suddenly you've got all these people that uh, work different places so as long as you're someone who people, you know, get on with or think uh, are good at what you do, then that helps. You know, the longer you do stuff, the better you get. So, I mean, your work sometimes speaks to itself. Uh, It's hard to put a finger on what makes you're good in terms of your output i think it's just sticking to the sound of the station a lot of the time In not many places a lot of places if you go there they're going to use the same session so i use pro tools if i go to radio 2 i don't come in and go here's my pro Tools session or oh there's a blank session get on with it they've already sorted out how they want the voice over to sound so when you drag the voice over in it'll already be eq'd up so you might be able to make the odd tinker if like a bed's too lary and it's cutting through uh not the the vo's not coming through enough but essentially in terms of that side of things a lot of that sometimes is done for you it's good for you to be able to do it especially in freelance if you've got your own equipment but a lot of that side of things done for you um so it's really just having a passion for the radio station you're at and, and knowing the output though it's really important to know the audience because that's a massive part of it and and the more you know about music the better as well um so really i don't have a a key secret there i think it's just to be reliable uh, be persistent uh, to network hopefully things work out i mean it's hard to say what makes some people make it through and some people not it's sometimes it's it's as simple as luck i think
0: who's next ah fern cotton she bought us marvelous acts all year on the live lounge i loved royal blood on the nice list. Here in my grotto, I've You've talked about different radio I've stations you know. there. You're currently at Absolute Radio, we're here right now, and, and that's targeting certain audiences with, with all the content it's producing and the music it plays, the adverts. So how do you decide, maybe even how do they decide, but how do people decide on, on the station sound? And when you're making imaging for the station, are you thinking you know you're tweaking with things and thinking that that sounds a bit radio too i need to add a guitar or something like does that does that happen is that a process
3: yeah i mean absolutely it, we're quite lucky because essentially a lot of the ids are quite dry ids so there's no bed under it it's just you know uh, matt berry saying something oh so funny so there's that i mean as a group we kind of write the different lines uh, uh, together and and it gets recorded between one of us and and you know and i tend to make a lot of the stuff after that but there's you know after that it's just a case of what's the best take and maybe using certain EQ sounds on it but yeah I mean there would be certain settings on Pro Tools if I dragged Matt Berry's voice into certain things and did certain things with it where I could make it sound a bit too Radio X or a bit a bit too you know Larry a bit too one extra Um, I think a lot of it is in the delivery so the voiceover's got deliver it right Uh, so that's always tricky if you've got someone new in Uh, this I remember at Classic we used to get have to make album adverts basically, but essentially, and get um, which is not something I've had to do before. We used to have to get a new VO in every time, a voiceover in every time, and they wouldn't necessarily be up to speed on what was expected in terms of the delivery. And sometimes it can be quite hard to explain. When I was at Enemy Radio, they had the tagline first for music, but th first as in I'm thirsty. But I uh, fundamentally cannot pronounce that word properly, I'm f in for it, not swearing f with a hard f and saying so first to me, I just have to write it down. So, uh, so to start with is the voiceover, because if your voiceover is not very good, then you're stuffed straight away anyway. So you need your voiceover to match up to what the station is. The biggest example I could say was at Enemy Radio, I had no station sound there was it was a station that didn't exist so that was an amazing challenge and so from there you, you kind of going through the mags and the playlist so the playlist is a big part of that as well if you're playing the you know if it's an urban station and you go the voice that try and match up matches up to that it's got to reflect the area it's in if you're in the london then london voice is a bit more uh, going to make a lot more sense but if you're trying to represent the whole country as we are absolute then you know you've got like a northern voice a southern voice you've got to uh, mess around with that because otherwise people are going to get a hump in certain parts of the country feel like they're not listening to a station that really represents who they are uh then you got to write the you know the stuff to reflect the audience so if you you know absolute i'd say i don't know the exact what the audience uh, specifications are but i think it's quite safe to say that you're looking at 30 to 40 uh, i think they're slightly male weighted bias uh and you you know it's not too weird if on air someone's talking about getting their kitchen refitted or taking their kids out but if i did that at xfm not at radio x now because they've kind of got the same target audience give or take but when it was xfm and it was you know 2005 then that was meant to be you know someone's been at a gig at the weekend or they ran into some z-list you know rock celebrity or something like that you know not you know if you're talking about getting a kitchen fitted at, at that station that'd be terrible so it's the same with the station sound really it's about what reflects the, the, the station? So you're right, yeah, maybe you'd use some actuality, some sort of feedback or guitar effect. It's kind of uh, some of the more obvious stuff, but it sometimes is what works. I mean, with us, we've got all these beds that are made that, that have the absolute do 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 thing on it. And uh, so, in terms of trail, sometimes that what that is what comes in. So it varies from station to station, but if you've listened to the station and you listen, maybe listen to some rival stuff as well, I don't necessarily like to because I feel like it might influence what I do. That would probably help and it's just getting inspiration and and having an ear for for what's already on but if you're just coming in then there'll be a ton of stuff they've already made maybe they'll play you a, a you know what they've did in their awards or you can find people on SoundCloud most station producers love knocking their stuff out and trying to get other people to hear it because they're probably pimping for work out of other places so i mean you can find you know you search BBC Radio 1 or you search Absolute Radio on LinkedIn you'll get a ton of people uh, so you, you'll be laughing before you've even started and then through them they'll probably have their SoundCloud or their Twitter or whatever and, and you can basically stalk your way into hearing whatever you want to hear. From there, work backwards and, and you know, obviously you don't want to just replicate people's sound but you also don't want to stamp all over what they're doing because an audience will, will hear that and be like, what the hell is this? One of the uh, more glaring things, when I first started at Absolute, when I freelanced a few years ago, one of the first things I had to make was for NFL and they wanted it to be all razzmatazz and they got an American VO in and they wanted fireworks on it and it had to be quite jazzy for... they briefly did uh, i think on absolute 90s they did nfl coverage you could hear that uh and that was quite hard because it, it was didn't sound like absolutes so when i made it uh, you know they wanted it more jazz than i made it and i felt like it didn't really reflect absolute but it got put on and and so sometimes you can be wrong or you know they're looking for something to sound different so it's kind of just being clear what they want and and probably using their sessions learning as you go you don't want to go into mental
0: what would you say has have been the biggest changes
3: in the world of audio production since you know this has been your thing what what have been the biggest developments there's a lot less jobs uh, which I'm sure is what everyone wants to hear at a university studying radio but I think from when I started there were about half the jobs from 10 years ago and it's probably the same again so when I was there there were a lot of uh, you know different kinds of stations now obviously heart ate up a lot of the the network stations around the countries and when I was at Radio 1, the reason I'm not, I was, my, my work stopped at one on one extra was because they dissolved a couple of roles. They, they made one on one extra team up with Radio 2, Six Music, and Asian Network in station sound and events and, and technical teams. So, and, and basically absorb that entire team into a super team but then in order to do that they wanted to do that so that they could sort of shave off some of the roles and sadly because i was the newest person that was my role it would cost them no money to get rid of me some people have been there 10 20 years it cost them a bomb of license fee payers money so there are less jobs sadly uh i'd say that there's probably a little bit less freedom to do what you want to do at certain places when i was a listener to xfm i remember stuff that used to be quite heavily bleeps like sweary stuff in trails which I think you'd probably struggle to get away with. There used to be a lot of chat when I first started about how much S&T you could get for F&K from, you know, and so on. So nowadays you'd probably be putting a bleep on and maybe even not even getting away with putting bleeps on stuff. But, you know, I, I've certainly made things that, yeah, they're getting pulled up on now. You know, there's New York Awards, there's Arkiva Awards, there's Radio Production Awards like the Radio Academy ones now. That wasn't a thing before that, that I remember anyway, there's a lot of that. The 30 under 30s, I mean if you're under 30 and you're bigging yourself up, that seems like a pretty good thing to go for. Sadly, I'm not uh, available for that anymore and I think if I'm going for the under 40s, there'll be like millionaire business owners. So, don't fancy my chances there. I mean, there's networks, so that's... I mean, if you're making something and you want a lot of people to hear it, that must be pretty cool because, you know, if you before were just at, uh, you know, Chilton FM or whatever, which was somewhere I did Black Thunder work for, which was like a sales promotion team that got eaten up by a heart, I guess before, if I'd made that, it just would have gone out there. Now, if you make something, you're probably making it in somewhere in the heart, in Leicester Square, so it'll go out to a larger audience, so that's kind of cool. I guess other stuff is that uh, online, you know, before... Makes it sound like I was living in a black and white world in a windmill, but you know, YouTube wasn't as big and uh, SoundCloud things like that. So there's a lot more opportunity for you to make your own stuff, and it doesn't even have to go out on a station. You can have an online showreel, You can put stuff on YouTube, and and also there, where you can source stuff and hear what other people are doing and get inspired by that. As I said before, about just you know, if you know a presenter or a station, the odds are you can find their stuff. You can hear stuff from all over the world. So that's kind of cool
0: before i let you go one last thing can you tell us about anything that you're personally enjoying listening to at the moment it, it might be it might be a particular program or radio station or presenter or a podcast that's got your ear is there anything which you might recommend to to listeners
3: yeah i'm kind of terrible for this because i tend to be quite invested in the station i listen to so i remember when i was interviewed at one on one extra and they were talking about how much i listen to her output and i was kind of like no offense but i'm not really the target audience for that output so I tend to just listen to the station I'm at and be quite absorbed by that Um, so I don't listen to a lot because what happens is you listen and then you'll hear some of the station sound because once you're aware of station sound you're never that far away from it and then you'll hear it and it'll make you think of work if something's badly written or well written or uh, you know what they've done in terms of the mix so it turns you into a bit of an ultra nerd it's kind of annoying I tend to mainly just listen to Absolute, and I mean, there's plenty to get your ears around there. I, I definitely, uh, Absolute 80s is, is, is ace uh, and worth a listen. I think that's the kind of thing where you could, a bit like if you're a channel flipper, it's not something that much channel flipping on radio, but I think you could dip into uh, Absolute 80s and out, and Absolute Radio, obviously, I work at, and plenty of great shows. Why not listen to the new David Berry Breakfast Show on Absolute Radio, which is uh, starts when you wake up, although. Uh, If you wake up later, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But you can catch up on it online as well. Uh, I said I'd pin for my own podcast. So if you're into fantasy Premier League football, uh, myself and the Breakfast Show co-host Matt Dyson do a podcast which starts at the start of the football season called Game Week. Uh, And if you search Game Week HQ, it's on Twitter and Facebook. And then there'll be a link for you how to listen to that. It's on iTunes and what have you. And essentially that is... There's a lot of Fantasy Premier League podcasts and they're all quite nerdy and go on about like an hour about how Aguero's against a left-footed defender this week. So, uh, But ours is, tends to be, we've fallen accidentally into a niche of Fantasy Premier League football podcasts for people who aren't very good at Fantasy Premier League, which is not what we set out to do. We used to be really good at it and then we started doing this podcast and now we're terrible. So uh, I will pimp that because it's something I do have to listen to because I have to edit it. Uh, there's that and outside of that I would just say listen to lots of stuff if you want to work at a specific station then listen to that station or listen to stations like it Dan Pryor
0: a University of Bedfordshire graduate who is now station sound producer at Absolute Radio I must confess to listening to his Game Week podcast as well I'm a keen fantasy football player and that podcast with Matt Dyson is quite a lot of fun Dan talks about imaging and station sound, James. This is an area of radio that you say that you've given some thought to already. Tell me about what Dan said, which I guess caught your imagination.
2: You have to adapt sounds depending on the type of show you're working with. Audience, it's hard to pigeonhole one role in radio. So if you're working with imaging, there are other areas you might need to help out with. Yeah, he has to have collective musical knowledge as well. I've noticed that he has collective musical knowledge.
0: Yeah, he's talking a lot about music and then yeah. putting together... I guess for certain stations, it's like Absolute, because it's essentially a lot of it is about the music. As a result, a lot of their station sound their imaging is going to focus on the different music that they
2: play. Another thing that stuck by me was how hard it is to get into radio, same mm. because of the networking that many radio stations are hard to get into. A lot of them are corporations now. Mm. Mm. So if you want to work in local radio, you have to kind of look around.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and on that point, Absolute Radio, based in Bower, there's lots of radio stations there, including KISS downstairs from yeah. Absolute Radio, and they're all based in one building. Uh, it, it's really interesting. But he does talk about, on that theme, how networks in radio, meaning that there might be less jobs available for for people like Dan, but there are bigger audiences listening to the stuff that he's making. So if you were making an ident for, say, Heart, obviously it gets played across the country, whereas previously you the heart station might have been say near us. There was a station called Chilton Chilton
2: FM. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I used to <laughs> listen to that a lot when I was young too. Well, well,
0: there you go. And I guess the people that made the imaging for Chilton, like it was only ever heard by that region. So, for for Dan, he seems to take a lot of pride in the fact that he's making work which is hitting millions of people rather than thousands of people, and that's quite an interesting thought, perspective. He does talk as well, James, about how he got into station sound like sort of by accident. He wanted to get into radio. Uh, he wasn't sure how. He says he didn't have the voice for things like news reading, but then he got sort of led into uh, station sound and, and imaging. Do you feel like you have to have a certain voice to, to be on the radio and, and that imaging and station sound is something which might appeal to people like like Dan who want to get into radio and can't think of another way of doing it?
2: As long as your voice is personable and it reaches out to people you know it's pleasing to the ear i think mainstream it works Mm. like stations like heart or or radio 2 or capital as long as you sound confident that's fine but then you've got like stations like one extra and capital extra who are looking for like you know like a a more cockney accent a sort of I know what you they're mean. They're aiming for the black audience, they want someone like that mm. to do
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I guess when, when they're looking for voices for, for imaging and, and on air voices as well, that is something that station management will always be considering like, does this voice represent our will our you know, will our audience identify with this voice in particular, so it's interesting. Same with people making adverts as well, I guess. In amongst that, we heard different examples of Dan's work. You heard some of his work from Absolute Radio, his Radio One work with Urban, and and even a Christmas, uh, some Christmas imaging that he made. I guess to be a station sound producer, you have to be pretty flexible and and have a range of ideas up your sleeve.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: Deborah Bishop works at BBC Radio Norfolk. She was previously the station imaging producer at BBC Radio Norfolk and Suffolk. I thought it would be interesting to get the perspective of a local BBC producer and find out how station sound works there. Our line wasn't fantastic, but I started by asking Deborah to describe her station imaging producer role.
1: My responsibility was to make all of our jingles and trails for all of our um, programs. on I worked on two different BBC local radio stations. So um, the trails included promoting what programs we had coming up later on in the day, also um, what special features that we were trying to push to make sure that listeners were listening around our output, so not just one particular program, and all of the jingles at the top of the hour when you hear um, the person's name being introduced or the fact that we've got some travel coming on. All of those jingles I had to make and all of the new builds. There's such a variety of, of sounds that you can make as a station sound producer.
0: That's really interesting. And and, and I guess what, what strikes me with BBC Local Radio is when you go across the country, you do hear similar imaging across these stations. Where, are there rules? Like, Are you given a set of rules by someone to, to make... <laughs> the imaging sound a specific way?
1: They're not quite rules, Um, they're more guidelines which you're allowed to play around with slightly. But the reason that local radio sounds fairly similar is that BBC local radio as a whole is given a jingle package. So we're given um, a file of particular sounds. Now they all have similar melodies, they all have similar chord structures, similar sounds, but they're variations. So we're allowed to give a particular, they're all based on colours, so we're allowed to give a particular colour to a programme so that they have a very similar sound throughout their programme. And sometimes breakfast will have, say for instance, the gold package. So there are three or four variations of the same jingle that we can um, sort of spread out throughout the whole breakfast programme. So that's probably why they all sound the same because we're given a Macasso, they make our... Jingle package, yeah, and yeah, we're allowed to play around. So there's no rules. No, we're not that strict. Just a, a few guidelines.
0: <laughs> That's really so. So colours. I mean, I'm, I'm interested now. Tell tell me like what other colours and, and what those colours mean.
1: <laughs> um, so so the gold package we use uh, for our breakfast program and for our drive program. So it's a little bit more of a serious sound because you can have breaking news or updates on quite hard-hitting stories so you can't have anything too colourful but then our mid-morning package is blue and that's quite um a comedic playful sound and then our afternoon show used to be red which uh sort of borderlines a little bit on the playful side a little bit more serious it's the afternoon show was built for a a longer time listener so it wasn't anything that would be too catchy it was just a, a subtle sound so yeah and then there's there's purple which was a bit more jazzy if you had a jazz program you could use it or we for a little while we were using the it's not a color but it was the strictly package hmm. so that was like a really big band sound so if you heard anything, any programs that would fit that yeah we would use the strictly package which uh, which didn't last very long, because I think it, <laughs> you can only really get away with that for a certain time of year.
0: No, fair enough. Uh, Deborah, how did you get into this line of work? Because it, it seems like a relatively specific part of, of radio, and, and, and your job title has changed since then to a more, I guess, traditional producer role for the weekend. So was imaging always something that you were passionate about, and, and has it got a similar skill set required for other areas of local radio production?
1: It is absolutely something I never thought of doing Mm. (laughs) at all. Uh, When I first got into radio, to be honest, I I wasn't really aware of it. It it didn't really have much importance to me. But um, I first got into it as covering for maternity leave. So someone went off to have a baby and I boarded for the job and managed to to get the job. When I went to university, I studied uh, music production and sound engineering. So I'd had a bit of knowledge of editing and and manipulating sound in my past, but never really thought I'd ever use it in my job. But it did really come in handy, and from then it has taught me that I absolutely love editing, even if it's a documentary, a package, or if you're clipping out swear words from songs. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love what station sound has taught me it's not something that i think jingle making and and trail making you have a passion for i I think it is more of the editing side that you can love and you can just be really creative and really really imaginative with it and since having done that job i've discovered that i use it all the time those skills that i learned from station sound production i use every day it's it's really handy if You get into work in the morning on the breakfast show and suddenly a jingle idea or a feature idea pops into your head and you think, right, we need a little jingle for that. You can scurry yourself away for five minutes, put something together and then play it out later on in the show. So it's great for for quick ideas and for fast thinking. We tried to do that every weekend, actually.
0: Deborah, can you think of any examples of, I guess, classic radio station jingles that maybe have stuck in your memory? Like for me, it's probably uh, where I grew up in London, there were 95.8 Capital FM jingles, uh, and, and there was people like Dr. Fox. <laughs> and he, he, he had the, the well, tune. You now, Terry. Yeah, well, I know, I know, it was Chris Tarrant and Dr. Fox were, were the... the primetime presenters then and and Robert Palmer's bad case of loving you which had a doctor doctor that that was that was the I guess the jingle which really stuck in my head from my radio childhood are there are there any for you that, that stick in your memory it's so
1: funny that you picked that one because we still use that doctor doctor in some of our jingles that we have brilliant so on our Saturday breakfast show we have a feature uh, called Vinyl's Vault and we call him Dr Vinyl because he knows all about vinyl He's absolutely incredible, so knowledgeable. And yet we use that Doctor Doctor theme tune, so it's still apparent today. Great. But the ones that stick in my head the most are the the Pam's jingles. So they're the the sung versions of, of years. So it would go nineteen seventy nine, anything <laughs> like that. It just sticks in my head, Brilliant. and I remember Chris Moyles on Radio One when he was on the breakfast show. He used to use that all the time, and I've I have such a strong connection with those uh, with those Pam's style jingles. I I wish we could have Pam's jingles for everything because I love sung jingles. I think they're great. Pam's was, I think there are an American group of of singers that were paid to put a jingle package together. And I think it's just been replicated and they're so much fun and and they're so catchy as well. And they stick in your head and you just suddenly, you you find yourself singing along when the jingle comes on. I think that's always a sign of a good jingle.
0: Absolutely. But,
1: But one thing I do always remember is a couple of station sound producers before me at Radio Suffolk, uh, once made a trail for the new phone number that was being introduced there so the new uh, text number was 81333 or eight triple three, and he came up with this really convoluted idea of um, doing a trail about mice like <laughs> three blind mice and the the cat came along and it ate one and it tripped all three and he, he tried to make a story around it and it was so <laughs> awful that everybody in station sound remembers it
0: <laughs> brilliant and,
1: it, and it's sort of that, that fine line between is it good because it's good or is it good because it's so utterly terrible <laughs> but as long as it did its job perhaps perhaps that's what we need to take into consideration
0: oh you you're reminding me of my own i guess like student radio attempts at making my own you know jingles and things like that which were were actually awful Uh,
1: When you try and do it yourself, they can be catastrophically bad. (laughs) But but as long as people remember it, your job's done.
0: (laughs) That's true enough. Um, Deborah, where is radio imaging heading? And um, are there any technological innovations, do you think? Or, or, Or is it more or less the same as it's always been?
1: I think the way that radio is moving forward, I think we're moving much more onto a... Um, I'll listen to it when I want to listen to it. So I think we've now moved away from the um, the radio comes on at 6am with your alarm and then it doesn't go off until 4 or 5 o'clock when you've left work. I think we've moved away from that so much. So a lot of it now is about who the person is, what station you're listening to and what time programmes are on. And I think you need to capture audiences who... supposedly they say people have a shorter attention span now so I think the way that station sound has to move forward is to make quick snappy informative little sound bites instead of these 30 40 second trails Mm. so it's just trying to find a way of capturing the imagination in in maybe only 10 seconds and I think that is a a huge challenge that station sound has in the future.
0: Deborah before you go it would be really fascinating to find out what you're enjoying listening to at the moment are there any uh, radio programs or, or podcasts which you would recommend to others to listen to
1: i've actually just started to try and get a bit more healthy so i've become a bit of a gym freak and i like to put together my own playlists and things like that for the gym that help me work out a bit better but one podcast i've been listening to quite a lot lately is um it's called the fit and fearless podcast so it goes out normally on five live they have a program and then they make a shorter half an hour podcast and it's just about dispelling food myths dispelling exercise myths and i find that i listen to it on my way to the gym and i feel pumped up and ready to go and a bit energized and then i put on my gym playlist and it it just makes you feel a bit invincible really so yeah it's called the fit and fearless podcast
0: Deborah Bishop from BBC Radio Norfolk telling us about her experiences as a local BBC station imaging producer. I found it fascinating to hear that she wasn't looking to get into this role, but that the skills that she's learned have been useful in other aspects of radio production. Uh, James, do do you enjoy editing audio?
2: I think that's a field I'm most interested in. Mm. I like to um, liaise with presenters or producers who want to get their show to uh, the audience, find out what sounds they like, what the script is going to be like, you know, for the trailers Mm. and eye dents. So, yeah, that is an area I think I'm most interested in.
0: Deborah was talking about how in in local BBC they uh, often use colours to uh, uh, describe the different radio packages, and, and just her using those uh, those different colours gives you an idea on, on what they might sound like. She talked about the Strictly package, and the gold package, and the blue package, and uh, things like that. And and it's interesting, I hadn't really considered calling a, a certain strand of, of imaging a colour uh, before. Is, is it something you'd come across before, James?
2: No, I haven't. I didn't realise you could characterize a package in that way i thought it was interesting and i suppose it gives you an idea of the atmosphere
0: if people remember it you've done a good job deborah said it at some point um, regarding to ultimately what was uh, what she described a pretty bad jingle for a phone number does that give you any thoughts in in the sense of radio idents and, and imaging and and if it's if it's memorable, if you hear something on the radio that's memorable, even if it's for the wrong reasons, in some ways, that that kind of works.
2: I'm guessing it depends what audience you're projecting it to. So, if you're a niche audience, they might expect something a bit more out of the ordinary. But if it's more mainstream, I suppose you know you have to be more polished and more professional.
0: Do you have any like favorite or? classic radio station jingles like ones that you uh, you remember fondly listening to
2: i know absolute radio had some good ones there's that posh voice mm. saying absolute 80s and adjust your tuner to this station if you listen to that station you're not with it sort of thing yeah uh,
0: yeah and i guess i guess sometimes it is the the comedy voiceovers so it's which stand out I guess for me, when I think back to listening to radio in my childhood, there is something about singing radio jingles, which which do stick in your memory, even though I think in some ways they're a little bit naff. They're, they're jingles in the sense of they they have a, a musical tone and and listening to it, it's, it's memorable as a result. It's they're designed to be catchy. I,
2: I find you don't hear quite as many these days as you did in... 70s or 80s
0: Or the 90s James Throwing yeah. <laughs> my age bracket back in there, But I know Nowa- exactly what you mean yeah.
2: Nowadays it's all There's a lot of um, production And electro And you know it's got to sound fresh And up to date
0: mm, Yeah the way it was the singing jingles Can't help but sound a bit dated sometimes Really interesting stuff If you want to contact us here at Fantastic Noise I'm always keen to make this podcast As interactive as possible and although this is the last episode of the series, do get in touch and we'll interact soon. I've received some messages and feedback. Here are a couple of mentions. Hello to Jake, who contacted us after the Women and Radio episode to tell us that he wrote his dissertation on that very subject. Uh, thank you, Jake, for your support. Uh, hello to St. John Lepop. Thank you for your jolly tweets. Kevin Field, who made his own podcast series called Radio Skills for Podcasters. Contacted us and shared the love of Fantastic Noise to his followers, so thank you, Kevin. Hello to Capital FM's JJ. Uh, JJ is also a recent Bedfordshire graduate, but he tweeted some appreciation for our sport episode calling the Football Rambles' Luke Moore and Talk Sports' Laura Woods two of the best in the business. And he's not wrong. Uh, I also want to say hello and thank you to Heather at the University of South Australia, Steve at the University of South Wales, Zara at the University of Lincoln, and Joe at the University of Bournemouth for your kind words and support for the podcast. If you want to get in touch, be it with stories, suggestions for future episodes of podcasts, feedback or something else, Here are the contact details.
1: Contact us. Email. FantasticNoise at beds.ac.uk
0: Facebook.
1: Facebook.com forward slash a fantastic noise.
0: Instagram and Twitter.
1: At a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise. Fantastic
0: noise. If your audio hullabaloo is leaving you feeling nauseous, shivering and dizzy, you should probably go to hospital. Maybe it's an ear infection. Get it checked out. But for top radio tips, you've come to the right place. It's time for Dr Laurie's Radio Surgery. I'm Dr Laurie Hallett, Senior Lecturer in Radio and Journalism at the University of Bedfordshire. If you're making an audio package with multiple voices, sometimes changes in background atmosphere can sound rather obvious in the finished piece. One thing that can be really helpful is to record some extra wild track of the location before or after anyone speaks. This wild track is a background-only atmosphere recording that can then be mixed behind and across individual voice recordings to blur the edges and make location changes sound less obvious. That's Dr Laurie Hallett talking about recording wild track. James, you must have recorded some things outside, but did you ever record wild track or is it something you generally did?
2: I know that wild track you have to take into account the background noise and today I was conducting a few interviews with storeholders in order to promote their services to Radio Lab, and I always had to take into account the amount of people milling around, mm. you have to make sure you get a quiet moment.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're, I know what you mean in, in terms of when you're in a noisy place yeah, you have I'm to make much, sure it's not too noisy I much
2: prefer doing it in a room like this
0: well obviously if you want to get that perfect audio recording but sometimes it works in, in the sense yeah. of, of, of just making sure it sounds like you're, you've got an atmosphere if and it's
2: related to the subject you're talking about like for example if you're interviewing a head chef Yes. In a kitchen, if you can hear kitchen noises in the background, that works very well.
0: Exactly. It's uh, it's providing that imagery for, for people listening so they can think, I'm associating this with a kitchen. Absolutely. No, that's spot on. Before we go, for the final time in this series, we shall smash down those vocabulary barriers of radio jargon. It's time for the Radio Word of the Week.
1: Radio Word of the Week. About making radio. This
0: time it's Sweeper. A radio sweeper is a recorded statement by a voiceover artist. The script often will contain the station ID, such as Radio Lab, and a radio slogan, such as your Luton, your music it's considered good practice to keep sweepers to approximately 15 to 20 words A most common practice is to produce them with vocals and sound effects, uh, radio sweepers are also known as radio jingles and short sweepers uh, that are up to say 5 words are often called a radio ID or IDent so James how, how often if ever did you use the word sweeper or come across it
2: I have heard the word sweeper being used.
0: Yeah. Did you ever have any thoughts about what the difference between a sweeper or an ident was? No. No, (laughs) no. And that's why, in this section of the show, we try and and get rid of those bits of radio jargon. Because I think sometimes these words are designed to confuse us. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise and for this series. We shall return soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Do follow us on social media at AFantasticNoise for updates and news. Thanks to our guests today, Dan Pryor and Deborah Bishop. A special thanks to my co-host, James
2: Montague. Thank you very much, Terry.
0: Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, Stu with a double O. Our announcements were from Freya McCann and our theme music was by Liam Aiton. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise.